0: Welcome to Soul Sessions with Creative Mind, with Deborah Burnt Maldonado and Dr. Rob Maldonado of Creative Mind. Join us each week for an inspiring conversation about personal development based on Jungian philosophy, Eastern spirituality, and social neuroscience. Spend each week with us to explore deep topics in a practical way. Let's begin. Hello, welcome to another episode of Soul Sessions. I'm Deborah Burnt Maldonado. I'm here with Doctor Rob Maldonado. How are you doing today, Pretty Rob? Good, thank you. And we have a great episode today. It is about Gandhi as we continue and finalize our series on the great minds of philosophy. And uh, before we begin, I would love for you to subscribe to our channel if if you are listening to us on Spotify, iTunes, or all those great podcast hosting services, we would love to you to be a part of our lives every week. So make sure you subscribe to get every episode. So Gandhi, uh, everyone knows who Gandhi is pretty much he's an incredible uh, inspiration to many, many people.
1: Yeah, he's certainly an icon. Mm-hmm. And so it's uh, difficult to talk about icons, because there is so much mythology around. Mm-hmm.
0: them. And uh, he wasn't a perfect person. He was not a perfect husband. And you know, there's a lot of stories. But I think we have to remember that all people have human human sides as well, and not to over glamorize them, but appreciate yeah. what they bring.
1: Well, that that's the remarkable aspect of uh, his work is that he he is a human being Mm -hmm. like, uh, or was a human being like us. Mm -hmm. uh, And yet was able to accomplish this incredible feat. Mm -hmm. Not single handedly, of course, he, he was an organizer, in a sense, he was a community person, very much so. But uh, certainly he was the spearhead of Mm. a great movement that ultimately liberated India
0: from the British Empire, this tiny little bald headed man. Uh, so incredible. So imagine he can do this in the world that every one of us have that potential to make big change in the world. And I know a lot of our followers uh, are really concerned about injustice and uh, inequality and, and um, and want to make a change in the world. A lot of our students in our Mm -hmm. programs, they're like, I want to change this part of society. I want to make a difference. I want to make the world a better place. We all do uh, in this field of uh, coaching and psychology. And he's a great person to talk about and and inspire us to, to, even when things seem impossible, or if we want to see something in the world that we like to change, that we can look back and say, look at this little man, he can do it, I can do it.
1: Yeah, so we wanted to focus on, uh, particularly in his dependence or his uh, kind of leaning on the teachings in the Gita as the way he found his strength to do that. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's a lesson for us in yeah. modern times of how we can use some of these teachings for the tasks that challenge us and challenge our times. Um. And
0: I know for myself, when I was first getting trying to get my first book published, when I was building the business and going, you know, traveling a lot mm. and doing speaking and holding a vision of what I wanted us to create uh, in, in this world uh, 10 years ago. I had a, a copy of the Gita with me all the time and I would just open it up and it would help me with all these rich but simple ideas about how to manage the mind because we knew that that's really what was the key to success and to making a change in the world and doing your great work. And so to me, it's it's been an invaluable piece of philosophy that Gandhi had that as well. It's just kind of like, okay, kind of on the right track.
1: Yeah, and he was also inspired uh, by the West. Uh, mm-hmm. He was interested in Christianity, uh, the transcendentalist, uh, mm-hmm. like Thoreau and Emerson, Einstein wrote this about him, which is uh, I love this quote. He says, generations to come will scarce believe that such a one as this ever in flesh and blood, walked upon the earth.
0: Mm. Oh, I just got goosebumps from that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's uh, Yeah, just think about the British Empire, bringing it to his knees without violence, without like this wars that we have to fight. We don't have to do it with war.
1: Yeah, so he had a lot to be angry about, Mm -hmm. uh, yet he chose this path of nonviolence, of course, because from 1858 to 1947, British occupied India, and pretty much uh, sacked it of all its wealth, Mm. and diminished its uh, people very seriously diminished them uh, and kind of put them in poverty or a lot of people kind of were thrown into poverty because of that,
0: and they were discriminated against. Mm. uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So um, and then Gandhi uh, came in, he was a lawyer, uh, trained in British schools and wore suit and saw the injustices and
1: Yeah, did some his early work in South Africa, Mm -hmm. and then went back to India and uh, started his uh, campaign. But uh, yeah, the Gita, though, he always insisted that the Gita was his source of inspiration and and kind of guidance Mm. in doing that. Because uh, again, he was a human being. In other words, he had to manage his anger and his frustration, and his also find the courage to to do this, because nonviolence, as we'll see, it requires great courage more than than violence. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of us think of you know soldiers, uh, kind of requiring courage. Of course, they do to to go into battle, but nonviolence takes it one step higher. You re- mm-hmm. it requires even more courage to put yourself in danger, but not strike back.
0: I uh, remember very clearly, uh, a a visceral response when I watched the movie Gandhi, when uh, the the soldiers were beating them, and they just stood there fell over, and the next person, and they didn't respond. And I think people, I don't know, it it was hard to see. But the mindset of a person, Mm. that keeps hitting, and there's no response, it, it kind of takes something away from that person, the hitter, the person who's harming, more than harming the person who's harmed. And it doesn't feel that way. But psychologically, it it makes them question, what am I doing? Like, these people aren't fighting back. And so I think that was part of it, is to to get into the heads of these British soldiers to show like, we're the bigger person, basically, and how many times in our life where we're confronted by a bully, and we want to strike back or someone who's making Mm. our life difficult, we want to strike back. And it's actually, let them be, you know, and and that's the worst, um, the the best defense for someone instead of fighting back and trying to change them, you, you let them be and they lose their power to get keep keep fighting, because there's no one there to fight.
1: Yeah. And so uh, non violence doesn't mean non action. He mm-hmm. always emphasized, you have to act, you mm-hmm. have to do your duty, which is very much tied to the Gitas, we'll see.
0: And you can resist a bully in a in a nonviolent way. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be use violence to resist. It, it doesn't mean you don't resist, but you can resist in a nonviolent way.
1: So this is a quote from him. It says "Nonviolence is the greatest force At the disposal of mankind, it is mightier than the mightiest weapon of destruction devised by the ingenuity of man. Mm. So you can see that was the centerpiece of his philosophy, this -hmm. this nonviolent approach to making changes in the world. So ahimsa, which is nonviolence, the Sanskrit word for it. The Bhagavad Gita emphasizes the concept of nonviolence and duty. And that, that's an important piece, right to understand that it's not only nonviolence, but it's it's tied to duty to mm. doing what you morally perceive to be the right course of action. Gandhi drew inspiration from the Gita's teachings on selfless action and non attachment. He interpreted the Gita's call to do one's duty without attachment to the results as a foundation for his, his philosophy of nonviolent resistance. For Gandhi, nonviolence was not just a political strategy, but a way of life deeply rooted in spiritual principles. So th- this gives us a clue as to why it's so powerful, because for him, it, it was connected to his spiritual mm. life, in other words, it wasn't just a political strategy. It wasn't like let's just go disrupt the government and mm. the the status quo to get our way. Mm-hmm. It was very much a kind of a bigger picture of understanding that the British, for all the harm they were doing to his people and to his country, were also caught up in conditioning. And and they were essentially enslaved by the conditioning that they were subjected to.
0: And he and he actually said that, that the what got him through was knowing that those British soldiers were really passionate about what they were doing. And they thought what they were doing is right. And so he knew they were caught up. And um, and even Viktor Frankl said that too, mm-hmm. in the, um, when he was in the camps, he said, you know, they're all caught up, and they're going to suffer greatly more after this war is over than we ever suffered physically, that their mind is going to be their worst enemy, because they're going to be racked with guilt over what they did. But they're also caught up. And so you can't, and when you know, if anything, when we look at people that are not fair, you know, or, you know, harmful to others, we have to see that not to get them off the hook, but we have to understand their intention isn't to harm, like they're not like I want to harm, even though that appears that way. They're kind of caught up in this mind of harming, for some reason, and it's not conscious, it's almost like a reaction or a condition response. And that most of the world, I mean, if we think about it, how many people are individuated in the world, not many. Uh, We're all you know, most people are caught up in their egos and So um, it's just have an understanding of that helps you find a solution versus fighting back with the anger. Right?
1: That's right. Easier said than done. Of course, (laughs) Uh, we've all felt a surge of anger when it it fills the mind, Mm -hmm. it's very difficult to hold ourselves back from retaliating from fighting back from hitting back.
0: And I love what you say too about duty, because when we think of duty, we often think it's taking like matching the action that was taking against us Mm. like I have to defend myself if they hit me, I have to hit back in some way, whether it's with words or with physical uh, force, but action can be something that like what Gandhi did in India was he had them have a day of prayer. He was Going, thinking, how am I going to solve this problem? And he sat in meditation. Mm. And I can't remember how many days but he kept sitting in meditation and knew there was a solution, but he didn't know what it was. And he was just waiting for it to arise with him. But he set that intention. And then on eventually, this idea came to him of this day of prayer. And he brought together all the, the different uh, religious leaders, uh, there's so many different religions in, in India, to unite them all and say, we're on this day, we're all going to have a day of prayer, even though it's not your day of prayer for your particular religion, let's just state that and you guys are the leader so you can establish that. And then what happened was everyone went on day of prayer, and they stopped mm. working. So it was like a strike throughout India, and it made such an impact. So there's two things to learn from that is that when you're faced with a challenge in the world, like we all are, and there's a particular passion, you have a something you want to change in the world, ask yourself, like sit with it. And maybe mm. there's an idea from a deeper, wiser part of yourself, that the answer is already there, that's going to be the most effective. And we want to look within and find that spiritual uh, solution to it. And, uh, and that's what he did. And I think we can do that. And then also that he didn't fight back with violence. He fought back with something that would harm the British Empire by no one working and everything got uh, stuck. I think it maybe was more than a day, I think it was like a week or something. And so it's just amazing that you can do something that's not violent that can have an impact.
1: Hmm. Yes, very powerful.
0: Are you looking for a satisfying career as a life coach? If you are seeking a deeper path of training and growth, Creative Mind University offers an ICF accredited life coach training program that goes beyond surface positive thinking and into a powerful process of real transformation. You can start your new career as a certified life coach trained in a unique methodology based on Jungian theory, Eastern spirituality, and social neuroscience. Get the tools to become your true self, change your life and the lives of others. Visit creativemindlife.com, click on apply and speak with one of our team members today to discuss your future and possibilities of becoming a certified life coach That's creativemindlife.com.
1: So some of the techniques and practices um, prescribed in the Gita, we can see them in Gandhi's philosophy and his actions, right? One of them, self-examination, self-inquiry, if you will, Mm. and the development, the cultivation of self-awareness. And you can see in his in his writings, he's very honest about his own temptations and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. In other words, he was open about, yeah, I, I have these difficulties in managing my emotions or uh, managing my marriage. And,
0: and even um, harsh with his kids, he was very agra- uh, violent with his children, like it was just interesting, right, that they that came out. And it's like he had to deal with all of that.
1: I don't know about he he was violent, but he was definitely like hard on them. Yeah, Yeah. hard on them. Uh, So Gandhi emphasized the importance of self examination and self awareness, he believed that understanding one's own motives, desires and weaknesses was essential for practicing nonviolence. Mm. Regular introspection helped individuals identify violent tendencies within themselves. And work towards overcoming them. So these violent tendencies, this is part of our nature, right? Mm. Uh, it's part of our survival strategy. We we have it as a defense mechanism, as a way to protect ourselves. And so, a discipline, uh, especially a spiritual discipline, is required to tame that that energy that's there naturally, mm. that biological energy, right? to transmute it in, in mm. essence to, to channel it in a more creative and spiritual, peaceful mm. way.
0: And when we think of self inquiry or self examination, it's like being honest with ourselves of who we are, and being able to face the part of ourselves that we often don't want to look at. And um, it's very powerful to do that and be brutally honest with yourself. And usually, you know, we talk about Carl Jung, I mean, our whole program is young in uh, life coaching, he talks about the shadow and that we project the shadow outward. Mm-hmm. So when people are violent toward you, it means that there's a part of you. And it doesn't mean you match that violence, but there's a little frustration or a little anger, or whatever a part of that inside you that that's why that's showing up. And so why is that there and examining your own anger, it may again, it may not be at the level of that person. But it's like a maybe a, a like a, a subtle, a subtlety, and to be honest, and vulnerable with yourself and compassionate to yourself. And then that kind of loosens up a little bit of how do I deal with this outer situation, we got to deal with the internal conflict first. And yeah. that's really the self awareness and self examination you're talking about.
1: Absolutely. The yogas when we mentioned the or talked about the four yogas in one of our podcasts, it would be Raja Yoga, right? It's that meditative, self-reflective element of mm. looking inward, introspection. The other one is that he uses karma yoga, mm. which is selfless action.
0: Mm.
1: And this is very much tied to doing your duty.
0: So. And doesn't mean selfless meaning like like being a, a doormat. It means that you are taking the action without an ego,
1: right getting the your ego out of the way and really working for the betterment of others. Mm -hmm. Doing good because
0: the ego self only concerned about itself. uh, In a way. Yeah.
1: So uh, non attachment is an essential part of karma yoga. In other words, you do your duty and and for him his duty was of course or he took it upon himself as uh, his Dharma his duty was to liberate India. And so everything was dedicated in that direction. Every action that he took every thought he took every meditation, every fasting was dedicated towards that goal.
0: So for everyone, you're not trying to liberate India right now. So practically, what is your vision? Uh, And then how does it serve others? And then you as you're taking action, you're dedicating that vision, as you take action, and you don't look for the, the the quick fix, just keep holding that vision, and it will come to pass. But if you're always looking at I took this step, now let's see what happens, or I took this step, and that's not working, you're kind of attached still. So you want to take that action with, I know my goal will be reached. I know because it's the for the good of all. And if it's not for the good of all, then there's going to be attachment. So it has to have that kind of, everyone's going to be better if I have this goal, right. And so that and then just holding that in your heart is so, so powerful.
1: Yes. And the the key to non attachment or taking action with non attachment, is that you focus on taking the action. In other words, Mm -hmm. once you identify your purpose, your Dharma, your true work in, in life, your duty is to perform those actions that lead to success in that endeavor. Mm-hmm. You're simply dropping the attachment to the results.
0: And when it shows up, how fast it shows up, what it looks like. And and I love non attachment too because many, many times the results we get our ego judges us wrong, and it may feel like a negative or a setback, but it's actually resetting us to mm. something better. And so that non attachment helps us stop judging every result is good or bad. It's like, well, let's see, let's open it up. And if you open it up as an opportunity, it becomes an opportunity. If you close it down as a bad thing, it becomes a bad thing. So our mind is so powerful. And if Gandhi was looking at every every part of the difficulties of doing this, in every little thing that uh, challenge Mm. he had along the way, I think it would, first of all, drive someone mad because you feel frustrated. And so the frustration is a sign that you're attached. Anytime you're frustrated with your results, that means you're attached. And it's good, good. And also that your egos, it's not a selfless act. It's ego, ego act.
1: Yeah, so you can see that uh, performing action in this way, requires kind of a a deeper philosophy an understanding of the bigger picture, because we're all conditioned in the opposite direction, we're all conditioned to act for the reward. Mm -hmm. You know, and the reward itself is conditioning, essentially, we get conditioned to repeat an action by getting a positive result. Mm -hmm. So we repeat it, we get conditioned to not repeat an action if we get punished or we don't get the results we want. Therefore, dropping the attachment to the results liberates us from the conditioning effect of action. It's a very powerful psychologically, it's a very powerful system, that if you practice this, it liberates you actions liberate you instead of bind you and condition you,
0: you know, and another benefit of non attachment is that when we have goals, it's like our our happiness is on hold until we reach that goal. And then we get the goal. And then we're like, yay! Uh, And then the whole time, it's like waiting for that goal, waiting for that goal, waiting for that goal, we can't be happy. But if we're unattached, non attached, we can be enjoying the moment in the pursuit of the goal. And you're bringing the happiness into the present moment versus when I get the money, when I get the partner, when I get the award, when I get this, this goal that I want. Uh, then I'll be happy. It's like you could be happy today, just performing the action toward the goal. And it's like kind of pre setting yourself up for happiness. Because if you're taking action with love, and, and passion, the results will be love and passion. If you take an action with frustration and anger, the result will be frustration and anger. So it's always what you're putting into the action, the energy, the emotion is going to be show up in the result you can't create out of frustration. I know you told me that many years ago, that you cannot create out of frustration like you're you're kind of wrestling with the world. And you're forgetting that the world is not as powerful as you and you're placing the world having more power. And that's the philosophical idea is that what why why would we take non action? What was the deep philosophical truth? That's right, is that we are not the human being and not the ego.
1: Yes speaking of ego, so there's a couple of quotes, he said, an eye for an eye only ends up making the whole world blind. Yeah. So this striking back, right, this retaliating, uh, escalating the situation, simply makes both people blind, essentially, and both people lose, instead of kind of uh, reaching a peaceful consensus Mm. or a way out of the quagmire of uh, violence and aggression, uh, we just remain stuck there. Mm. Whereas nonviolence gives us a way out Mm. a way to proceed.
0: And of course, this famous quote, you must be the change you want to see in the world and uh, be the change. If you want the world to be more loving, that's what you have to be. If you think you see injustice, and then you're Mm. angry, you're actually feeding anger into the world. It doesn't mean that you don't take action, and that you don't think it's wrong. But you can do that without anger, you can do that with love and to love of for that, for a better world. And that is actually more powerful.
1: So we can get the sense that this requires a lot of self discipline and self mastery. Mm -hmm. Right? And that's the purpose of the teachings of the Gita. That the Gita is presenting a way to discipline your mind, a way to work with your mind, where you can master it so that it serves your higher purpose. That you're not acting out of conditioning. You're not only, uh, you're not just reacting to the circumstances and striking out or lashing out uh, because that would simply escalate the situation. Yet you're still doing your duty, meaning you're still achieving those goals. And in his circumstances, he was liberating India
0: in a gentle way, you can shake the world. And there's so much power in not feeding the energy that's coming at you. Mm. Whether it's a difficult person, whether it's a group of people that you think are bad and wrong, and you want to change them you can't really ch- force them to change. All you can do is say, how can I, how can I be in the world and create a world in my mind and a vision and, and do something that makes a difference that's not violent. And I think there's so many ways. But like you said, we're conditioned to strike back. So you we don't know the way for every every situation, we none of us have all the answers. So we have to meditate, we have to do that self reflection, what is this Mm -hmm. showing me about my mind and myself, and and setting the intention that the answer will come to you just like Gandhi did, like allowing that meditation to help you tap into your inner wisdom, and you'll be surprised at the ways that can be very constructive, where you can feel positive, because it never feels positive to fight back and aggression and be angry. None of us want to do that. It's like, feeding that we want to bring peace so how do we do that and we have to start with ourselves it's such an important lesson for this world today don't you
1: yeah we have a lot of changes to make uh, and a lot of um, challenges Mm. the social challenges with the climate with uh, democracy and this is an important tool to consider As human beings, as we move forward, as we face these challenges, what can we learn from uh, the Gita, from Gandhi's work that can inspire us and can Mm. fortify us to face these challenges?
0: So I hope you enjoyed this, and we will see you next week on our Soul Sessions podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please do with Spotify, iTunes, whatever service you're listening to. We really appreciate it. Take care.
1: See you next time.
0: Thank you for joining us. And don't forget to subscribe to Creative Mind Soul Sessions and join us next week as we explore another deep topic where you can consciously create your life with Creative Mind Soul Sessions. See you next time.